0: Welcome back to the ACC guys. I'm Mike. That's Steve. And well, this is ACC football. We're in bowl season. Fantastic bowl season, actually, and uh, it's it's been kicking off pretty good. At the time we're recording this, we've got a few games lined up tomorrow that we've already talked about, and I'm super excited. How about you, Steve? You pretty excited there?
1: Oh yeah, these the matchups this week is ones a lot of people have been waiting for. I mean, you got all the way to the top-tier matchup of Tennessee-Clemson, the battle of the two teams that South Carolina destroyed their seasons. <laughs> I mean, basically, that's what that bowl's about. <laughs> it's uh, And then you got, you know, Notre Dame-South Carolina. You got Florida State-Oklahoma. I mean, there's some really good matchups. Uh, Pitt-UCLA, unfortunately, as great as some of these matchups are, we're going to have to discuss it. Opt-outs and transfers affecting a lot of these games, and, man, some of them, we're probably going to be barn burners, but now it's going to be questionable. As like, how are these teams going to find offense with the people that are missing? Uh, one of the games that we're going to talk about today, they both teams are going to be without the starting quarterback. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Welcome to yeah. the transfer portal <laughs> it's portal madness
0: at this point. I mean, it's it's going to be kind of crazy. So, I mean, let's, let's go ahead and jump right into it. We got the pinstripe bowl to talk about first and, uh, We have Minnesota versus Syracuse. This is um, a different kind of matchup. Syracuse started off the year really, really strong, but that injury started hitting, and that depth really got to them. They they struggled on the end, uh, was able to pull out a win at the end of the year, but just just couldn't keep strong. Um, So going into this game, Kind of tough to know what's going what's going to happen. I mean, they're missing Sean Tucker. They're missing uh, one of their linemen, uh, Matthew Bergeron. Uh, they're missing their safer safety, Jog Carter. So there there's a lot in there, and then there's a couple of, like plug-in pieces that's missing. Now, granted, Minnesota is missing their starting quarterback and wide receiver due to injury, but I mean this this was already going to be a pretty good game to watch. And it's starting to make me wonder, you know, is it – is Syracuse going to be able to find something somewhere? Because, I mean, you start looking at the numbers, you start looking at the stats, it, it was already leaning more towards Minnesota anyways. So.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, if you look at the stats, it uh, was kind of leaning towards Minnesota. We're talking about the, you know, the second-best team in the country on third-down percentage on their offense at, like, 52%. And uh, – they're also number two in the country on defense on third down percentage. They hold opponents, to so about 26% per- collision percentage. So, I mean, that's impressive to be able to do that. And on top of that, they're one of the least penalized teams in the country. Uh, they also happen to be number two in the country in penalties. So I mean, it was a very disciplined Minnesota team. They don't beat themselves. They play good, strong defense. But like you mentioned, the opt-outs and transfers really changed this game. This is a team that where well, they weren't a great passing offense, but I mean, they passed the ball fairly well. Uh, And they're going up against a defense that's really good against the pass in Syracuse. Even with all the injuries, Syracuse is still a tough defense against the pass. And they're a good defense against the run as well. And uh, so Minnesota being without your best receiver and your starting quarterback, that's a huge blow. And on top of that, they also lost some depth at tight end. So there's going to be some question marks there for them when it comes to their tight end position. But, uh, you know, injuries could be a problem during the game. So... I look for this to be a pretty low-scoring game between these two teams, uh, especially with all the changes that are coming in uh, for these offenses. Uh, You're going to definitely see, you know, when you, you look at it, both of these teams like to rely on the run a little bit, and, you know, Minnesota has a really good run defense. So Shantuck being out is huge, but at the same time, I think Syracuse can still run the ball very effectively without him. Uh, they find a way to get it done. They have good running backs. Uh, my whole thing is, if I have to choose, you know, between these two teams, I have to choose somebody right now that I think that is going to win this game, uh, it's hard, hard to go. by. Uh, I'd have to go by at least, you know, I think Syracuse defense is going to keep it close with Minnesota missing key pieces on their offense. So I don't think that ten point spread in favor of Minnesota is. You know, something that's unattainable. I like Syracuse to cover that spread of 10. Uh, However, I think I'm going to take Minnesota to find a way to win this game. So Syracuse is going to cover the 10-point spread, but I think Minnesota still wins it in a close one. This probably decided by a field goal or maybe even a late turnover because, like I said, both these teams are going to struggle to move the ball against uh, two really good defenses.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely, and I'm kind of leaning on the same side as you. I think 10 points is a little bit much with some of what Minnesota's missing, but Syracuse is missing a heck of a lot more. Um, And, you know, I I still think it's a touchdown game, honestly. Um, So give me cues to cover as well, but, yeah, Minnesota's probably going to win this one. It's, you know, just another loss there for the ACC. Not much you can do about it. And
1: uh, you know, about say, hey, who uh, knows?
0: Maybe we'll see some young guys step it up for Qs, but I just, I just don't think they have it right now.
1: Yeah, I so. think transfers play a big difference. I mean that, that's something that really affects the game. Um, the coaching changes, I don't think are going to affect this game that much. I mean, the offensive coordinator for Syracuse is leaving for the NC State offensive coordinator spot. Uh, so uh, the and their QB coach is moving up. He's going to be uh, Jason Beck will now be the offensive play caller for Syracuse in this game. But the big hit and question mark will be defense coordinator Tony White for Syracuse is leaving for the Nebraska job. So, I um, mean, that's a big part of their defense. question is how will their defense respond? They do have some great defensive places, uh, players. That, you know, they play great. But that could be another effective, um, something that could affect this game in the long run. As far as Minnesota, no major coaching changes there. Uh, their running back coach, Kenny Burns, is leaving. He's going to go become the head coach at Kent State now. So, uh, this, so otherwise, right now, I'd have to say even more. The prediction that we're going with, leaning on that, makes sense. I just don't think Syracuse is going to be able to win this game. Yeah, yeah,
0: and... Uh... I guess it's time to go ahead and move right on forward. The next game we have up is going to be the Cheese it Bowl, Florida State versus Oklahoma. Uh, I mean, two different tells of teams. You got one team that just way outdid any expectation that anyone had for them this year, and another team that just didn't play well at all, something their fans haven't expected. Um, so for me, this is, a, this is Florida State's favored by nine and a half. Against Oklahoma, now there are some some key points for Oklahoma here. They're missing two of their offensive linemen that were starters. They're missing their starting running back. That's a huge hit for them. And, I mean, Florida State's really not losing a whole lot. I mean, most of the guys that are either injured or out have either been out and injured or they haven't really played a whole lot. And you know, they haven't seen significant time. They're not even plug-in guys. So, for, for me, this is kind of an easy pick. I don't even know if we really have to spend a whole lot of time on it. But yeah, Florida State's probably going to pull this off. I'd I take Florida State. I'll take the 9.5. I just don't see it for Oklahoma without having Eric Gray playing in this game.
1: Yeah. I'm about to say, the, to me, that is a huge factor. Eric Gray not playing is big hit to Oklahoma. Uh, he is by far their best running back. Uh, That's not like FSU where they hit you running back by committee. If one of those guys got hurt, uh, they they're just going to throw like three or four more faces at you. So that, it's a lot different than that. Oklahoma doesn't have that deep of a stable. Uh, they got a lot of unproven guys that, when they have had the chance, they have not performed like Gray has. So this will be a huge hit for them. But the bigger hit is both tackles being out and. FSU has everybody play in this game. It doesn't matter if it's someone that's possibly going to go to the NFL or someone that is going to the NFL. They're all, everybody in this program, even the people in the transfer portal are dialed in. The transfer portal players are playing still for Florida State in this game. So I think that's a huge blow uh, to Oklahoma not having both of your starting tackles. I mean, just losing one's bad enough, but not having both, it's going to be a long day. For your quarterback. I mean, your quarterback's really going to have a rough day trying to stay upright when he doesn't have his his starting tackles and he's got some backups in there. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, especially considering this is a team that they weren't great at um, protecting the quarterback to begin with. They're about middle of the pack in the country, giving up a a little over two sacks a game, and uh, they're going up against a defense that will come after them. Now they average almost 1.5 sacks a game. I'm sorry, FSU averages almost three sacks a game. I mean, they are a team that comes after you, and Jared Burst is going to tee off. I mean, he's going to love the fact that he could be going up against a backup, possibly a freshman. So uh, that is something that's going to excite the defensive ends for Florida State, and we're going to see them getting after the quarterback in this game. And I can't wait uh, to see the outcome. Uh, Definitely FSU being a a nine-and-a-half favorite, I see that being something that can be hit. Uh, the only thing that has me worried in this game when it comes to Florida State is that uh, Oklahoma is a team that uh, they do tend to run the ball well themselves. Without their star running back being out, that is going to be a blow. But if the other guys can still step up and the interior offensive line is able to open those holes, because that's where FSU has been hit more with the running is the interior. So the fact that they still have their interior line, can they still get those holes open enough to run? Would that make a difference uh, without their tackles being there? Um, because that's going to be the only thing that really helps Oklahoma stay in this game. Uh, because you're not going to be able to just, you know, step back and throw it all game. That's not going to work. I mean, not not missing the pieces you're missing. And uh, and with you know FSU being such a balanced team, being one of the most balanced teams in the ACC on passing and rushing, uh, they're going to come after you. They're going to score points. And uh, honestly, I can see this being a lot like. The game against Florida, uh, except for with Gray being out now, I don't think it'll be that much of a back and forth game. So uh, give me FSU minus nine and a half. I'll take that. And uh, I take FSU obviously to win.
0: All right. Yeah. I mean, that's it. it well, like you said, I think there's enough been said about the game. Um, so be very curious to see that. Super excited moving forward. Up next, we have the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. This is NC State versus Maryland. Should be a pretty good matchup. NC State's still rolling with like a third-string quarterback, but they've proven towards the end of the season, it don't matter who's playing at quarterback. They're going to find a way to win, and mostly that is because of their defense. And when you're looking at it, not a whole lot of their defense is missing, whereas with Maryland, you're losing three of your starting wide receivers. Um. You know, they're opted out for the game. It, this is going to be a tough game for Maryland team. I, honestly, it, it's really hard for me to call it, and you could tell Vegas is struggling with it as well, with a, you know, minus one in NC State's favor. Uh, you know, it, it's a tough game to call. There's probably going to be a lot of defense, not a whole lot of offense in this game be really curious to see how it plays out but give me nc state for the win
1: i mean this is a tough game to call at first when you look at it um, maryland does have an explosive offense especially when tua is playing um you know he he's played great and uh you know he's looked good out there and you know they're 39th ranked team in passing they Average about 259 yards, passing a game. Uh, they really light it up through the air, and they run the ball well as, as well. They're an average team in the country when it comes to running. Uh, this is a team, though, that are going to get some, one of the best defenses in the country that only allows over a little over 100 yards rushing a game. So they're 11th in the country there. But it is a you know, kind of average defense when it comes to passing defense. Uh, the thing that's going to hurt them the most is that uh, – they will be without, you know, Leary and possibly Morris as well. So they might be relying on Finley, the four-string quarterback again. Uh, So that's a big blow for NC State in this game. I mean, this is a team that's going to struggle to get points anyways. And if Morris doesn't play, that's a huge factor. Now, on the other side, there's a lot of weapons missing for their quarterback. All three of his top receivers... Are going to be out of this game they've all opted out and uh that's that's pretty much almost all their passing yards um out of those i'm sorry three of their top four wide receivers uh their their second best receiver still playing in the game and he's really their only legitimate threat they're going to be without so many receivers in this game that there's a possibility that uh, if somebody gets hurt they're going to have to change formations they run because they will be that low on depth of receiver going into this game. So that's a huge factor when you think about it. Like, the, you know, opt-outs and transfers can affect you that much where you might not have enough receivers to field that if anything happens in this game. So, I mean, when it comes to that, then you have to look at Maryland's defense. They're missing one of their top corners, and uh, well, a really good running uh, linebacker as well. So there's a lot of pieces that... Uh, Maryland's going to be missing from this team. I think that another factor, though, that makes it hard to decide between these two is the fact that offensive coordinator for NC State, Tim Beck, has taken the Coastal Carolina head coaching job. And in a weird decision, Dave Doran says he's going to be the play caller, but he's not going to be the only offensive play caller. The QB coach, the running back coach, and the receivers coach will also play calls as well. So... I'm not sure about this whole offensive play calling by committee. I mean, at this point, you might as well set up a phone and let fans, you know, dial some calls in and see what happens. But uh, I don't, I don't understand this uh, coaching by committee for offensive coordinator. We'll see how that works out in the bowl game for NC State. But that kind of scares me going to this matchup as well, being able to pick that. But. Um, you know, like I said, when you're missing your star receivers and you're going to have trouble getting the ball down the field because you're used to getting the ball quick to those weapons, it makes a big difference uh, for a quarterback, and especially for uh, Maryland. I mean, this is a team that, you know, they were average at protecting their quarterback anyways. Uh, I'm sorry, not average. Uh, this is one of the worst teams in the country at protecting their quarterback. So uh, you take away some of its weapons, and he's already been a little banged up. Honestly, I have to agree with you. I like NC State that minus one. I want to take them in that because, I mean, they're a team that they're going to go out. They're going to get after the quarterback. They're going to get sacks. And uh, I just, you know, like I said, it just, them being that bad at protecting the quarterback does not bode well for a Maryland team that's missing a lot of weapons. And your quarterback's going to have to learn all new receivers.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. And I mean, this is a tough NC State defense. Not a whole lot of changes on it. it it's it's going to come after him. It's going to have some fun. And just to clarify, uh, Tua is not leaving Miami and coming and playing in this bowl game. It's actually his cousin is playing. But oh yeah, sorry. Moving cousin. on into the Sun Bowl. <laughs> moving on to the Sun Bowl. Uh, UCLA versus Pitt, uh, five and a half point favorite for UCLA. Not really a whole lot of opt-outs on there. It's not a whole lot of injuries. Um, whereas for Pitt, you're missing your, your top running back. You're missing your quarterbacks leaving. Probably your best wide receiver in Jared Wayne is opted out for this game. You got multiple office alignment. I mean, there's not a whole lot. A couple of your edge rushers, a safety that's opted out for this game. There, there's a lot of people missing on this pit team for this game, and to me, that's the difference maker. Um, I'm not even going to delve into it too much. This would have been a tough game for Pitt with all those pieces. Even you know, even with Slogus, you know, kind of being a hit and miss quarterback, he's still your starter for a reason. And so not having him, not having your top wide receiver, missing some plug-and-play receivers as well, missing two of your edge rushers and a safety, I, I think UCLA takes the points and takes the win.
1: Yeah, that's this is going to be another one of those games where uh, you. this is the game we we're talking about that could be both quarterbacks not playing. In this game, um, right now there has been no reports as to whether or not um, starting quarterback will play for UCLA in this game. Uh, it, on some people's estimations, some people say it's a, you know, oh, as bad as a sixty forty kind of chance of whether he'll play or not play. So, uh, <laughs> it's it's interesting. It's like it's one of those things where. Uh, you have to watch for that and uh, Wonder if he'll actually step on the field or not so that could be a game time decision so it's it makes it hard to choose this game knowing that game time decision-wise we could be looking at two teams with no quarterback No starting quarterback in the game because they both opted out uh, so uh, Waiting to see more information on that unfortunately no update as far as right now going into the show and uh like I said, it could be as much as a game time decision and he's not the only one. There's, there's some other places, other positions, uh, their star wide receiver is a game time decision as well. Although most people feel that he will play in the game. Uh, the starting running back is also a possibility that he may, uh, not play in the bowl game as well. And that is another game time decision. So it really, a lot of question marks going into the game. That's hard to choose, uh, this game, but, uh, What makes it even harder is picking Pitt with everybody not being there. I mean, yes, uh, we're talking about one of the best running backs in the ACC not playing, but, I mean, really, they have a good bench. Pitt has a great running backs bench, and they really can still run the ball effectively without him. Uh, It it won't be as the same, but it's definitely not like Oklahoma losing Gray. It's not that big of a drop-off. I feel like they still have the running backs in the backfield that can make noise. Think about it. This is a pit team that, I mean, we were talking about, you know, (laughs) we were talking about the running backs two years ago as well. I mean, they're always finding someone here lately, especially under Narduzzi, who can carry the rock. So, uh, and honestly, Slovis not playing might be an upgrade. Uh, The kid that, if he can come back from injury, that could be the starting quarterback for this game. Uh, would be Patty. Uh, if he comes back from injury and plays in this game, that would be huge for Pitt because he actually was the one who almost led them to a win over Tennessee. And he has a very good arm. You know, he's thrown four touchdowns, only one pick. And the little playing time he had, which is basically like a game and a half. Uh, so with that information, I, I would have to say that he could be the guy that if he's healthy enough to go, be an X factor in this game. Unfortunately, He's going to be without his two starting tackles. And uh, you already know from the other game that I covered how I feel about not having your tackles in the game. Uh, even worse for uh, the biggest, I think, factor for them is defensive end. I like, they're going to be missing their two starting rushers, and they're missing already uh, several backups on the D-line as well. They're missing so many people at defensive end. There's another one of situations like, we don't know who they might plug in if injuries or fatigue set in. Um, will they just put regular defensive linemen at defensive end position and that's the way they practice it? Like, that would be an interesting factor as well. That's something that's going to you know go with them towards the end of this game. Because, I mean, going in, we know who Pitt was. They were the leading team in the country in sacks. They get after a quarterback. Now, I don't care who they put on the field on defense. Yes, their starting safety is going to be out. But they will make a difference. When they get on the field, that Blitzkrieg style of attack they run on defense will still be effective. They will still get after the quarterback. They will still punish. So, I mean, it's one of those things where if that's going to be the case, I don't know. It's hard for me to say UCLA is just going to run away with this because there are some question marks for UCLA as well. But, I mean, looking at the numbers, you're talking about a UCLA team that, you know, they are – one of the top 40 teams in the country in passing, going up against a pit defense that, because that blitzkrieg is a style of attack, if they don't get home and get the sack, then they're typically giving up a big play, wrong pass. Uh, so that's usually the way it goes for them. But the biggest thing for UCLA is they're the number four team in the country in rushing. They rush for 246 yards a game. This is a team that puts the ball on the ground and runs effectively. They're going up against a buzzsaw defense that's one of the best in the country. They're number eight in the country of stopping the run. They only allow about 95 yards rushing a game. So uh, knowing that and knowing how well these teams match up, I think you're right. All the losses for Pitt and all the people that aren't going to be playing for Pitt, at the end of the day, that's what makes the decision uh, so much easier to say, you know what, I, I have to go with... UCLA. That minus five and a half is not a big spread, Uh, so I'll take UCLA on the minus five and a half and take them to cover and win. All
0: right. Well,
1: up next, we have the Gator Bowl. South Carolina... Hold on. on. Before we go to the Gator Bowl, now, the only other piece of information we didn't cover from the game, because I didn't think it was as big of a factor, was that uh, their defensive coordinator, Bill McGovern, is still out with health issues, but he's been out for the last five games for UCLA. Um, so uh, it's not a major factor because we've still seen them play effectively without him. But uh, that is something that could, you know, help pit as well in the game is the fact that he still will not be back for the bowl game as well.
0: All right, moving on to the Gator bowl. We have South Carolina versus Notre Dame. South Carolina is actually favored in this game. Um, it's a team that's been really surprising towards the end. Huge win against Tennessee, huge upset against Clemson as well. And now they're playing against Notre Dame in the Gator Bowl right there in Jacksonville, Florida. I'm going to tell you right now, it's, it, it's looking like a little bit of a matchup there. I mean, Notre Dame's probably going to be playing with about a third string, third or fourth string quarterback. They're not going to have their star tight in. Michael Mayer's opted out for this game. They'll be missing one of their edge rushers, but also with South Carolina, South Carolina is going to be missing a lot too—a lot of opt-outs at corner, at at the end, uh, offensive line opt-outs, interior defensive line opt-outs, uh, starting running back is opted out. You got pretty much all of your depth at tight end is gone, um, and I think just that there's a lot missing there for South Carolina. And I think these are a lot of pieces that really showed up for them in those upsets, honestly. And this is gonna be a tough game to call because Notre Dame is they're a team that wants to be physical. They're gonna run at you, they're gonna hit you hard. Uh I mean they play good defense and we already know how good their special teams is for Notre Dame. Um I just don't I just I, I kind of feel like the, the the magic's run out for South Carolina in this game. Um. even with what Notre Dame is missing, they're still going to get behind that big offensive of line and they're going to run at you. And I just don't know with the pieces that are missing. I don't know if South Carolina has the depth with all these guys gone. And, you know, and honestly, I just don't trust Spencer Radler to play three amazing games in a row. <laughs> so we'll see.
1: Uh, I think it's outside of Spencer Radler's hand. This isn't a South Carolina defense that even during those upset wins was shutting people out. Uh, even Clemson's offense, which has struggled throughout the year, uh, still was putting up points against South Carolina. Uh, so to me, really, it comes down to that South Carolina defense, which uh, you're right, they're not a strong defense against the run. Uh, they're actually one of the worst teams in the country at rushing. They're also one of the worst country teams in the country at defending the run. Um and so you, you can see where Notre Dame, like you said, being a team that's going to sit behind that O-line and they're going to run the ball. It doesn't matter who's getting it. They're going to run it. And um, they have a big D-line, so they play well, gets to run themselves. So this is a team that you said, they're going to get physical. That's under their head coach, Marcus Freeman. That is what he has done. He's His identity for Notre Dame has been, we're going to line up. We're going to get physical with you. We're going to dare you to stop it. We don't care who you are, you're going to have to stop it. Now, some of the key factors, though, that have made a difference, um, if you look at it, Notre Dame lost the game against USC. One of those factors in that game was injuries and uh, players transferring out or opting out. So uh, in that loss, uh, there were, there's some key injuries to watch for this game for Notre Dame. Uh, one of them being at the uh, defensive back position. Uh, There is, right now, they are missing a couple key contributors on the defensive back position. But most importantly, one of their starters is a question mark. Now, if he does not play right now, he is not listed officially on the injury board. But if he does not play in this game, uh, that would mean that the guy who is usually their normal starter at the nickelback position, Mickey, will end up being one of the starting outside corners. The last time he was a starting outside corner was against USC, and he gave up 12 out of attempted 15 passes towards him. So he is he could be a liability and could be something that if he has to get on the field, uh, that could be somewhere where South Carolina goes, especially considering South Carolina is missing so many tangible pieces that they have before. Uh, they're you're missing every tight end who contributed, uh, now, now the only tight ends they have is they have a tight end coming back from injury and they have some backup tight ends that weren't getting playing time before, but now due to all the transfers out and injuries, they will get their the opportunity. So uh, it's going to be interesting. There's also you know one of their top receivers who contributed to the team as well, Jalen Brooks. He's going to be out. Uh, their starting running back, uh, Marshawn Lloyd, is going to be out uh, defensively Man, the list for this team on defense for South Carolina, and they already won a great defense, is ridiculous. I mean, they're missing every corner in Smith and Rush. Um, they're also missing their safety at Reed. Uh, they're missing one of their edge rushers in Evan, and they're also missing their starting defensive tackle Pickens. So this is a team that, like we said, we went over the stats. and not a great team defensively. And then you take away the fact they're missing all those pieces. And on the offense, they're missing one of their tackles that's a starter. So uh, South Carolina, you know, great showing. You did what you did before the end of the season, and that was impressive and that was great. But Notre Dame is actually the favorite in this game. Uh, they're minus two. Uh, South Carolina was a two-point dog. So I'd take a Notre Dame to win. I'm, I'm taking them to cover the two-point spread. I think their defense and their rushing attack, like you said, it's going to be too much for South Carolina to handle. They're just going to get physical with them. They're going to pound them into submission, and uh, that game is going to go the way that everybody pretty much expects, and that is a Notre Dame win.
0: All right, going on to the next one, we have the Orange Bowl. The big matchup of it all, Clemson versus Tennessee, two teams that did not finish the season the way they wanted to. Uh, both had hope to get into the playoffs. Both failed horribly at getting there. Um, they kind of limped their way out of the season. You got Tennessee that's still missing a hidden hooker. Now you have Jalen Hyatt's out. Cedric Tillman's out. Then you look at Clemson. Clemson doesn't have DJ, but kind of looks like from the ACC championship game that Nicks a pretty good starter for them. Starting to really get a feel for that offense. Um. Uh, Miles Murphy is not going to play in the game, and neither is Trenton Simpson, the linebacker. But honestly, this is a Clemson defense that still has plenty of depth. I mean, it, it, these are guys that, you know, they they can be replaced. I'm not saying they're not talented. They're very talented, but there's also a lot of talent on that team still. So to me personally, this is going to be a really tough game to call. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because, I mean, Hinton Hooker did run that offense very well. I'm not sure if Joe Milton could do it. But I just don't trust that five-and-a-half for Tennessee. Um, Quite personally, I could see Clemson covering it. I just don't know if Clemson has the offense to actually win it. And um, we'll see how it runs under Klubnik. If Klubnik has a good night. And slings it around like he did in the ACC championship game And that this Clemson defense can play The way we've seen them play Even with a few pieces missing They still got talent I, I think this is one that Tennessee can't That Tennessee could possibly lose to Clemson here But I will at least take Clemson to cover And Tennessee would probably win it
1: Well, Clemson is the uh, favorite They're their favorite at five and a half because plus five and a half, uh, I mean, Tennessee is the
0: dog. Oh, uh, there's no plus or yes. minus there at all. My bad. I just saw five and a half next to Tennessee. All right. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Well, then in that case, I do not take Clemson to cover. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure about Clemson. I'll take Tennessee to cover. And then Clemson Clemson's going to barely win it in this one then. Um I just don't know. This is kind of a toss-up game to me. I think this is more of a minus one type of game than the Duke's Mayo Bowl, honestly, because um, this is so hard to pick. It really depends on which team and which offense shows up. If Tennessee's offense shows up, Clemson doesn't come close in this game. So I'd be really curious to see really, uh really nice matchup, honestly. Uh, just kind of two teams that are one on the rise and the other – Seemingly like it's about to fall. And this could be a game right. that decides where Clemson's mm-hmm. gonna be at going forward. So
1: I think uh opt outs in this game are huge. I think it just a uh, huge in a different way. I think that um, you know, Milton can definitely get the job done. I think the receivers being out that just kinda like evens the playing field for Clemson. I think this still be a shootout. I still feel like Tennessee and Clemson are both gonna put out some points. Um and defensively, they're both going to get stops, mostly because Clemson's going to find a way to turn the ball over. And uh, Tennessee just does a great job of not turning it over. That's one of the big factors going into this game. Uh, Clemson is only plus one in turnover margin. Meanwhile, uh, Tennessee's one of the top ten teams in the country. They're a plus 14 in turnover margin. I'm sorry, plus nine in turnover margin. Uh, so uh, definitely is a Tennessee team, they're not going to hurt themselves that much. Uh, they're they're a team that's going to try and find a way to put some points on the board, put it up fast. We already know they're one of the top passing offenses in the country. Going up against a Clemson defense who has struggled with that against teams that can't put the ball up in the air. Uh, yeah, the two starting receivers may be out, but this is a Tennessee team that they got some depth. And on top of that, the biggest factor in this game is remember their offensive coordinator, tight end coach Alex uh, Goals has left for South Florida to be their new head coach which means that all play calling will go through Hypo. So, uh, I mean, Hypo handled a lot of play calling to begin with, but the, knowing that all the play calling now is going through Hypo, uh, I would say that's definitely not going to be a factor as far as coaching change in this game. So I would have to say that you look at the stats and you see how both of these teams play. Uh, we're talking about a, you know, a Tennessee team that doesn't run the ball well Uh, They, they mostly just throw a lot and uh, you're going up against the Clemson defense that they do run the ball well, or sorry, Clemson offense that does run the ball well. And uh, they're going to try and extend this game out and they're going to try and really slow down that Tennessee offense as best they can and give their team a chance to win the game. And uh, you know what, I'm, I'm saying it, go ahead and give me Clemson to win this game and Clemson to go ahead and, uh, you know, I'm I'm just taking Clemson to win the game. I'll I'll take Tennessee to cover because I feel like the team that wins this game is going to be whoever has the ball last. We could be also in overtime at that time. Uh, I think a field goal is the difference in this game. It's going to be something less than seven points. So I think the five and a half is a really good spot because it's one of those where it's really going to be close as to whether or not that gets covered. Uh, and I think Clemson will end up winning the game by a field goal late. Uh, like I said, it's going to be a back-and-forth game, and really it's going to be about who has the ball last.
0: Oh, most definitely. And uh, with all that, that, that's coverage. That's a complete coverage for the first season of the ACC guys. Gotten all the bulls out there. I can't wait to come back and actually talk about some of these bulls, talk about how they happen review some of the stuff that's gone on and really start to get into that postseason talk and already start talking about the next year, you know, got some recruiting importance coming around, got a lot of transfers going around. It's, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. So in order to make sure that you're up to date on every little thing that we're doing, make sure you hit the like button, make sure you subscribe and most importantly hit that notification bell. So, you know, as soon as we go out and do anything, you can also follow us on Twitter. He is at SJollyACC. You can follow me at the 4 or you can follow the ACC guys at at ACC guys. Any point in time on Twitter. we also post a lot of our stuff out there. we make announcements about videos on there as well. Uh, plenty of places to do it. Plenty of places to enjoy it. So.